to the Talking Talent Podcast with you from Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, on the road right now uh, at the EuroLeague Final Four, this is David Hine. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for your time. Uh, it's uh, There's so many great uh, shows out there, so many great podcasts, and you've decided to uh, take, a, take a couple of minutes uh, of your time or more and to listen to our show. Uh, thank you very much for, for this. I uh, have a really uh, f- a fun one. Uh, for you guys this week, um, you know, one of the things that I, I've always wanted to do with this podcast uh, is, um, you know, we talk on a, we're talking about all these guys and especially the, the big guys, uh, you know, the big, big name guys. You know, I wanted to I wanted to come back and uh, and have the guys uh, have the scout guys uh, on the talking talent team, uh, you know, come back and, and you know, talk about their development during the season for you know guys in the draft you know and 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 the big names um because you know everybody wants to know about them you know and, and and not everybody has seen them and you know not everybody's taken the time to look at them and and sort of observe them at at um you know at uh, at length and and so that's one of the things that i wanted to do with these uh, you know, with the scouts I, you know i told them all you know we're going to do these guys it doesn't mean that we're not going to do them again uh, you know, later in the season, whatever, and uh, so we're we're getting to that stage now. You know, draft talk is coming up, and seasons are ending, and and I figured it'd be a good chance to kind of take stock on on a couple of the bigger names, and so that's what we're doing today. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to start with uh, Ignacio Rosato, uh, and he's actually going to be talking about Osman Dieng, who of course was down in. Uh, uh, was down in Australia in the uh, in the um, in the NBL playing for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, he's so Ignacio is going to be talking about Usman Deng. Uh, then Jason uh, Jason Felipe is going to be talking about Nikola Jovic, uh, who played this season uh, with uh, Mega, and uh, uh, both of those guys are are going to uh, be in the draft or are expected to be in the draft this uh, uh, next month. And uh, and then we're going to finish off with uh, Ivan Mitrovic, who takes a deep dive look at uh, Victor uh, Wembanyama, who obviously you know one of the top uh, top young talent names in the world, uh, you know highly highly expected uh, number one pick in the 2023 draft, playing for Asvel Vlebon, um, and so. Uh, Ivan takes a takes a look at them. So, like I said, just you know, we've we've had reviews of these guys uh, in uh, earlier in the in the season, and I think it's good to uh, to really uh, to really kind of you know sh- to, you know sit down again, you know, tell you guys, you know, this is also the development of, of what they were able to do during the season. You know, it's one thing to to you know what did you do over the summer and then the first couple months uh, of the season couple weeks and months of the season and and, but then over the course of the season you know what kind of these these guys are very young still and they you know they can develop very quickly and and uh um you know with being with professional teams being in new environments etc and uh and uh you know uh, so i wanted to let them give you some insight into that so let's get into it first i give of course uh first it's going to be Ignacio Rosoto, uh, Osman Dieng, uh, Jason Filippi is going to be talking about Nikola Jovic, uh, even uh, Mitrovic uh, will be th- looking at Victor Romagnana. Again, this is part of the Taking the Charge Substack. Uh, if you want to become a full-time, uh, if you want to become a paid subscriber, uh, go to uh, takingthecharge.substack.com, paid subscription. 
Uh, if you with the paid subscription, you get the full archives of this show. So this show will be available for a couple weeks uh, free, and then goes behind the paywall. And then also you have access to the uh, Taking the Charge Prospects podcast, where I do a, a long, uh, in-depth interview with uh, one of the top young players from around the world. Um, so go check that out. All right. So without uh, further ado, not going to take any more of your time from me. Uh, so thank you again. Really appreciate you uh, coming around and listening to the show. Uh, and here is Ignacio. All right. Back on the Talking Talent podcast. Uh, a gentleman uh, you haven't heard from in a while. Um, reports of his demise have are, have been grossly over-exaggerated. <laughs> uh, Ignacio Rosato, uh, buddy down in Uruguay. Ignacio, welcome back. How you feel? Uh, I'm feeling great, despite of what my kind of raspy voice today w- would suggest. Um, as, as someone from the Southern Hemisphere, I, I, I need to inform you all that it's winter here and it's getting pretty chilly. So, um, so yeah, I'm a bit of going through a, a bit of a cold, which is kind of nothing compared to the past few months, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Yeah. Good to, good to have you back here talking, talking young guys. And, um, yeah, we wanted to, uh, when we started this whole thing, I the idea was for some of the big names uh, to get them early on in the show um, and then kind of get a report later on sort of how their development went. Um, guys like Jovic, Wimbanyana, uh, Usman Jing, who you're going to be talking about in a second. Um, because, you know, these are the, these are the, 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 you know, the big dogs, if you will. And, and these are the guys that everybody wants to know about. And I thought it was important to first kind of get out, you know, where, where they're at after the summer and then to kind of, you know, give a status report update on, uh, you know, cause now, you know, Jing's played his entire season, uh, for the, uh, New Zealand breakers. Um, interestingly enough, um, continue to deal with losing, which is something that he's actually used to. Uh, I know this. This is probably not something that you actually may had on, on your on your radar, but you know that playing he plays for Incep in in France. He was playing there, and and yeah. one of the things that 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 you know all the positives that go along with that is the development and all that. But one of, and they play against men, but they also get beat a lot. And uh, you know yes. they're again they've gotten better. In fact, this year this season um, this team is pretty actually decent um they've actually I, I don't i don't even know how many get how many wins but you know this is one of the most successful uh seasons for incept in a long 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 maybe even ever i don't even i should actually look at that um but i, I remember jalen horde w- with the assistance of who was the uh who was the uh the power forward who won MVP in sub maybe with Angie and in, in power oh. forward. Um, not yeah. a highly regarded guy, but he, but he always performed also at national team levels. Um, God, oh, wait, 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 wait. He's a year. No, he's a year I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Belgrade. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, this guy, number 32, he's playing college right now. 
Daniel Bacho? No. No, 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 no. Earlier than that. Earlier than that. Oh, he's and he's a oh. year old and he's a year older. Oh man, I'm just gonna hurt. He's gonna um Yeah. Uh anyhow, but but I remember him teaming up with him and then and then they they finally, you know, they won like first game in like three years or four years yeah. or something like that. And so Kenny go come back to to you know, come back, Dave. Look, you know, come back to us. What, what are you talking about? Um, so the New Zealand Breakers went uh five and twenty-three this season. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so you know, it's like it's actually <laughs> kind of losing used to losing. Obviously, that's not what we want to talk about. Um, although it would be interesting to hear his thoughts about that, you know, as as someone and I'm not gonna bring it up. So um, so but one of the things that you know uh wanting to talk about his development and you know it was a big step it, you know we all thought hey this is a cool idea you know go to go to australia uh, up and coming league as far as internationally go people you know thinking more and more um you know you're speaking english um having um you know having uh, you know more eyes on you uh, a professional league um and you know as a kid who was uh 18 actually he um, actually time of recording he is only he's gonna turn 19 next week yeah yeah um so played the entire season as an 18 year old and um you know and also left home for the first time basically as an 18 year old and uh you know kind of played accordingly early on um and then and then really uh kind of took off sort of mid-season um and then you know obviously their their regular season has ended they've you know they've crowned the champion and everything else um uh, so why don't you let us know uh, uh, what you have on Jang? So basically, for the full season, eight point nine points, three point two rebounds, one point one assists, um, half a zero point six steals in twenty one minutes, uh, shooting twenty seven percent from three point range. So what do you have on uh, Mr. Jiang? Yeah, so let's let's start with uh, a bit of the background, I would say, and I'm gonna rely on you for a lot of these things because you been there you've uh, probably remember watching him live more than me but um so i know that jeng at least one of the first tournaments where he appeared was in uh 2019 at angt playing two years up in age but he played uh very few minutes there and i didn't get to watch him or really pay attention um so i would say that uh his breakthrough was in the under 16 European Championship in 2019, where uh, France comes, got second place. If I remember correctly, that's the year where Spain won. Yes. With uh, Michael Caicedo, Juan Nunez, uh, all, all, all of the MVP those was Ruben Dominguez. Ruben Dominguez. Yeah, that that's that's kind of his breakout tournament. Yeah. Um, and also, really some, nice. some 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 dude played up a year in France. Um, yeah, some some big dude. If, if, if I can't only, what's, his, what's his name? Some yeah. Some, if some only talk if only him. he was like, if only he was more known, like the best prospect in the world or something. Yeah, um, that was Wemanyano. Of course, he played at that tournament. That was, but that was that was the that was his sort of you know real true breakout. Um, exactly, especially especially on uh, uh, the uh, the you know European, and of course and of course he was you know that COVID robbed that generation to maybe play at the under. Uh, to to at least repeat um, the silver medal that the under seventeen did uh, in two thousand eighteen in Argentina, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so. So uh, so obviously, when Manyama was you know the guy to watch in France, 
But I had came away from that tournament really impressed with Jen, who at that point was uh, more of a secondary ball handler with wing size because he was measured at six foot six back then. Um, and so I always value, and if you ever heard me on this podcast, you know, I always value guys that have wing size or forward size and can dribble pass and shoot. And Jen was certainly a, a bit inconsistent and prone to, you know, cold stretches and turnovers and etc. But the flashes were really, really good in terms of being able to shoot off the dribble, uh, create for teammates. He had a lot of, you know, in, he had a really interesting connection with Wembanyama, you know, running pick and roll, throwing lobs, uh, making advanced reads. And I was, I was really interested because I thought, okay, this is someone who might have a primary uh, initiator, uh, like a passing potential, uh, and also having wing size and being long and, uh, you know, being able to score the ball. Um, so I, I came away with Jeng as probably one of the four or five top guys in that 2003 generation. And then uh, next year, uh, six months later, uh, I was able to watch him at the ANTT Belgrade with um, INSEP and... He didn't really have the when, whenever you see a player breaking out, uh, having that sort of breakout tournament, uh, you expect the next tournament to okay, him taking the next step. And the truth was that I didn't feel like it was a, a step in, I, I didn't feel like there was a lot of improvement from one tournament to the other. Um, the only difference I would say from him at uh, at France and him at INSEP was that he took more shots, he took more of a scoring responsibility, but it was still to a point where, you know, his free throw rate was super low. Um, so he didn't get to the line a lot. He wasn't also able to really, you know, impose himself on the interior being super skinny and... You know, the, 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 play, the playmaking wasn't really there as much as it was on, on the uh, U16 tournament. So that left me hoping, okay, you know, maybe, you know, in the ANGT finals or in the FIBA tournaments of 2020, that might change different contexts and all, and those tournaments never happened because of, COVID. So it was kind of a long way to see him again and, you know, to see how his game was developed. And in the meantime, as we were able to watch some of his tape in the, in the third division of France, where some of those struggles continued, um, you know, INSEP is kind of a weird context. It's a team that, like you said in the intro, they, it's a team of young players, 16, 15-year-olds, playing against grown men um, uh, in a low level of competition, but grown professional players still. And, you know, generally, that, generally things like efficiency as a as sh- as shooter, 
um, you know, lacking turnovers, that sort of stuff. Um, the, those sort of statistical indicators don't really appear in 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 incept teams. Uh, but I would say the biggest development came from you know pieces of information, tweets, that sort of stuff that we got in the meantime that said that Jiang had grown to six foot nine, maybe six foot ten. And that's that has been one of the biggest developments of Jiang, the physical development. He started this development path as a skinny wing size player at 16 years old. And now he's uh, a, someone who still has a lot of, you know, uh, growing to do in, some, in terms of strength, but he plays like a four and can, you know, um, guard pretty much any position, I would say, be, besides the five full time. Uh, and so that physical development combined with those perimeter abilities that were interesting where when he was six foot six are now even more interesting with him being six foot nine and six foot ten. So that's a bit of the background of how he came from that under 16 team all the way up to, you know, getting to the NBL, which I thought at the beginning of the season was a great opportunity for him. Uh, NBL has been kind of hit a horror miss with prospects. Um, and then the season started, the first game, 10, 10 games went by and Jen was pretty bad. Um, he was putting up five points, three rebounds uh, on 26% from the field and 10% from three. Uh, and so a lot of, I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter kind of dismissing, um, you know, him as a prospect. And then the second part of the season started, and that's where I think he he truly shined. Uh, he improved his uh, statistical output to 11 points, three rebounds, one assist, uh, and 1.2 stocks, uh, shooting 44% from the field, which is the best percentage he ever shot, 32% from three, and showing a lot of the interesting perimeter abilities for his size that you know have has made him a prospect so um i could get into his game now i don't know if you want to jump in and add anything about his background before getting to the specifics of this game uh no just talk about what where how you think he's gone done this year uh, you know it's like because you know you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, that he uh started slow um And, and, and then, and then also missed an entire month with a, with a mm -hmm. wrist injury. Uh, I'm actually looking and trying to figure out if it was a right or a left hand wrist injury, which, which would kind of been interesting to, to know. I don't know if you know that um, because uh, you know, he missed an, an entire month. Um, and then, and then after, so they actually had his best game right before the injury, 14 and five. Um, and then missed a month and came back, uh, 17 and nine. And then, you know, that was basically the start of, of really a fantastic run 
of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, eight uh, games in double figure scoring of the final 11 games. Um, you know, so you wonder if it was a left hand in- wrist injury and, and he was basically just, you know, <laughs> doing one hand shots the entire, yeah. the entire month away. Um, so, you know, uh, jump in, let, you know, about sort of, you know, your, your season development that you saw for him. Yeah. So I would say that the, the biggest thing at the end of the season, and this is what NBA teams are going to, I guess, try to put more emphasis because this is going to be closer to Jenks ceiling than what we saw early in the, in the season uh, but obviously the physical tools are really impressive uh, not someone who's going to who's extremely explosive and that has been I think one of the issues he's not going to get by his defender out of quickness, out of explosiveness in the perimeter. He's not going to create drafts. But for someone who's six foot ten or six foot nine, depending on, on who you believe, um, he has improved his frame a lot. He's really long. I, I would say the wingspan is going to be probably around the seven foot uh, measurement. Uh, likely even more I'm being conservative here so uh improved strength really long and the biggest thing for me is how coordinated smooth and how much body control he has um especially in like tight situations he's not sudden with his moves at all but he has a way to get into traffic, navigate, uh, contort his body, um, and, and, and has some change of directions on defense, which we are going to get later, which is, to me, one of the key aspects in, in his improvement. So Jeng is able to use those tools to um, get to the rim. He's, again, not someone who's going to create drives, and I don't think that's going to be his role in the NBA. But if you give him a screen, he's going to make the right decision. And yes, he will be able to take it to rack uh, one way or or the other, because uh, there's only so many people in the world who can stop a six foot nine dude with great length, body control and good handles. Um, The other thing that, really stood out for me is how bold he was with his shot selection, especially going through the end of the year. Um, He's not the, this 32% that he shot on the final 17 games of the year, which is the entire 2022 calendar year. uh, These aren't open three pointers in the corner that your general, um, prospect gets on a, on a team full of grown men. This is uh, him taking opponents of the dribble, uh, ISOing, uh, going to step backs, going to side steps, creating his own shot, creating his own space, uh, which is, and, and when you see those flashes for someone at that size, 
you start getting encouraged and thinking about the type of ceiling that you can find in a six foot nine player who is able to do that type of stuff and who shows that type of touch and that type of confidence and just that type of versatility as a shooter. Um, and, and, and I would say that that's another thing that improved through the course of the year, because again, the first time, 10 games of the year, he shot 10% from three. Um, so we talked about his driving. We talked about his shooting. Uh, let's talk about his playmaking. Um, again, I don't think he's, he hasn't developed as a passer, as someone who you're going to give him the ball to run your offense consistently at the NBA level, but he makes the right place consistently. Uh, and that's a development that I saw from him in previous years where on, on those inset teams that I didn't really like a ton, he was more of, okay, I, I am the guy, I got to shoot every, every ball. He's now more of a, okay, I, I can make the right read because I have teammates around him who can make those shots. Um, he's someone who out of defensive rebounding, he will push the ball in transition. He will make the look ahead passes. He'll advance the play and make the right reads. The more impressive part though is how he's able to make pick and roll reads and pick and roll passes. Um, and I think teams are going to be more comfortable just giving him the lane for him to try to drive and score than to double him out of the pick and roll and leave a teammate, uh, you know, going to the basket. Because if you do that, he's going to find that teammate. He uses his size really well to pass over the top of the defense, he uses passing angles. Uh, it's it's nice to see that despite him growing taller, that aspect of his game, uh, that that passing threat has not, you know, diminished it in 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 any way, shape or form. So I think this is a guy that you can run kind of side actions and you can run those, you know, maybe give him three four possessions every game. And, and, and let him run the offense and see what you get from that uh, and, and, and maybe get kind of a change of pace from a, a heliocentric offense. So he, he has improved a lot through the course of the year. He has improved a lot from what we saw on, on INSEP. And I think this is probably the highest I've been on Jeng ever since I watched him back at that U16 tournament. Now, this doesn't mean that he doesn't have his limitations. Um, he's still not someone who can reliably finish at the rim. Um, he, Whenever he has the lane, uh, if he can get by you and he's at times not able to get by you because he doesn't have that type of suddenness to his moves that type of quickness that type of you know power to get by his opponent uh he'll just throw up floaters uh and that's because he's still not someone who can move opponents uh he's not uh, uh, the type of guy that you know will lower the shoulder and get in 
in the defender's body and try to get him off position uh, to create space. Uh, he'll attempt it, but it's not super effective because he doesn't have a ton of strength. Um, and so the, finishing at the rim will be one of those areas where he'll will have to improve really, really quickly uh, in the NBA. Because if not, teams, again, are just going to, whenever he comes out of the pick and roll, I will defend the shot and I will defend your teammate going to the rim. I'm not even going to take time to uh, send two men to defend your draft. And if you can create those advantages, uh, you're going to be limited as how many things you are able to do on a half-court offense at the NBA level. Um, then finally, I want to talk about his defense. Um, in Early in the year, his defense was pretty, pretty bad. Um, I'm talking about individual defense. I'm talking about team defense. Uh, on team defense, he was sort of, he didn't know where to be on the floor. And on individual defense, it was hard for him to uh, just keep opponents in front of him, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty rough to watch. And then the second part of the season started. And by the end of the season, I can confidently say that he has improved tremendously as a one-on-one -on -one defender. Uh, I love how, and, and, and I would say that, and I don't know if this is a coaching thing. I, I, I would imagine this is a coaching thing because not only his technique improved, uh, his approach to defense, uh, the attention he puts, the energy he puts on the defensive end and, and, and the pride that he has started to take on his opponents not scoring on him. Um, to me, is remarkable, especially in the latter half of the year. Um, he seems to now be, whenever he's defending on an island or, or defending an opponent, um, first, he's able to contain penetration a lot more than he used to do. I think he has learned how to make himself look big, how to position himself um, to, you know, prevent opponents from getting to the basket. And it surprised me how fluid he is and how quick he is to turn his hips whenever he gets, you know, whenever an opponent can get by him. Um, obviously, six foot nine with a high center of gravity. You, I, I don't want him like defending smaller, quicker point guards, but if you put him on an Island, uh, I think he shows enough motor and enough lateral mobility to, you know, really, um, cover the drive and, and, and contest shots effectively at the rim. Um, I also liked how he was not only his hip fluidity, but how he was able to change directions and stay in front of opponents. So let's say an opponent's going right, he'll cr cross over left and try to attack. 
he's able to change directions and match that same change of directions and staying in front of opponents. And that's something that I saw late in the year. Early in the year, he wasn't able to do that. And I don't know if it was, again, the coaching staff really, you know, hammering that into him of him trying to be a better one-on-one defender uh, or just him picking up, you know, defensive techniques and, uh, you know, all, all sort of defensive tools that made him a better one-on-one defender. But I can confidently say that he's not going to be a minus as a one-on-one defender at the NBA level. The team defense still needs a bit of work. But I, I'm, I'm generally not someone who worries a ton about team defense because I think, again, that's the job of a coaching staff to, you know, make a player understand where they should be on the floor to make plays. And when I mean team defense is that, you know, he can be a bit late to some of the helps. He's kind of glued to his man a bit. Uh, he can get caught ball watching and, you know, uh, an opponent can get, you know, caught back door. But compared to where he was when he started the season, that's pretty much nothing. So, uh, again, really impressive just to sum it up and uh, I, I kind of will open up the floor quote unquote if, if you have anything to add but um, overall I think it was an impressive development from Jeng a prospect that if you would have asked anybody by even mid-January what they thought of Jeng they would have said mm-hmm. you know he's not an NBA player yeah but he has put a late season surge that uh, is, is, is nothing short of impressive and makes you hopeful because even though you saw the failures and, you know, the, uh, how, how should I say this? The, you know, potential ways in which it could go wrong for him at the NBA level at, early in the season by the latter part of the season, you watch how high of a ceiling this guy can have. And at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, how a team values the draft. If, if they value it by ceiling, they're going to have Jank pretty high on their list. I want to, I want to know, um, who he was talking to, uh, who was, and what he was being told in that month away, um, and and who he was watching the game with, um, because you you can clearly see it was the last game before the wrist injury, and then after the injury, basically once he came back, he exploded the entire the rest of the season. You know, was was really rock solid. You know. Again, he, he was only 18, so okay, you're going to expect a game or two where he wasn't fantastic. But um, just just take this into account. I think I think if you if you really want to, I haven't done it. So, but I mean, if you're a scout and you want to, I think kind of want to have an idea of where of to how to compare. First game of the season was against Southeast Melbourne. Had played 21 minutes, uh, one of three, uh, two pointers, 0 of four. 
uh, from long range, one of two free throws. Um, so three points, zero rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, no steals, no blocks, 21 minutes. So three, zero rebounds, two assists, three turnovers. Second to last game of the, of the year, again, Southeast Melbourne. So same team, so same team, uh, but four, five months later, five months later, uh, 30, 31 minutes, 22 points, four of six, four of six. So four of six, three pointers. So he was, he was, that was his, uh, that was his best. That was his best three point shooting performance of the season Two yep. two free throws, six rebounds, six assists, zero turnovers, six, six assists, zero turnovers in uh, 31 minutes, two blocks, two steals. So incredible. <laughs> go go back and watch those. If you're a scout and you want to see if you want to read his development, same team, same opponent, first game of the season. Basically, last he's had one more game against Sydney, and so that was a penalt, penalt, penultimate game. The last game of the season, played only 12 minutes, wasn't foul trouble. So th- that's so you go from three point three points with 04 three pointers. Um, to 22 points, four or six three-pointers, plus six to zero assist turnovers. Um, go back and check it out. Uh, the, you know, the physical development we talked about. Um, I, I, I wanted to come back to a couple of things that I mentioned because uh, otherwise I would have gone, I would have, I would have, I had to look it up because I, was, I would have drawn, I drove myself crazy. It was Ivan uh, Fevriere was the, oh, uh, yeah. was his assist, was his, was his, uh, was the guy who was a year older. And by the way, um, INSEP, um, it was, I mentioned there was that long losing streak um, that Horde and and February. That was a one hundred oh wait a hundred and forty two games that they wow. lost. That's that great. was that was four years that they didn't win a game in Sep. And yep. he he had two wins in two seasons at Incept. They went they went winless in nineteen twenty. And then they only had two wins in 2021. Where were those two wins the games were when Banyama got loaned to Incep? Um, I think I'll so. Ta- uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, definitely not the second one. I'll take a look in the first one in a second. Um, he had, um, he, he had, so he had, so, um, and and in this season he wasn't he didn't one of the five wins for New Zealand uh, for the Breakers was when he was injured so he only experienced four wins, um, wow. and and he had six wins in the two seasons uh, incept at the Adidas Next Generation tournament twice going three and one, and he had six wins at the under eighteen under sixteen European Championship so basically since 2018-19 season has six six has. Uh, six, six, t- four. So, so that's t- uh, 12, 16, 17, 18 wins. He's experienced yeah. 18 wins in one, two, three, four, four seasons. Yeah, 19, 20, yeah. 21, 22, four seasons and one summer, <laughs> 16 wins. <laughs> So um, before we before yeah, yeah, sure. we go, the, the the final thing I want to mention is that I think Jen's gonna be an interesting case of um how a team views the draft. Uh I could see many teams 
especially those NBA teams where maybe they have gone one year, two years, three years of not hitting a single first round draft pick and saying, I'm not risking my job over this guy who has a high ceiling, but I'm scared of the floor. Uh, and then I, I, I might see other teams who view the draft as, let's take the guy with the highest ceiling and let's worry about it later, say, having Jeng way up high on the board because the, the, the ceiling is completely enticing. So it's going to be, there's teams who are not going to have him on the board at all. And there might be teams who have him top 10. So who knows, but it will be an interesting uh, case study of the NBA draft and how different teams and different situations approach the draft. Good on you, Victor Wimbanyama had 22, 10, and seven blocks in one of those two victories. Good job. Good yep. job. <laughs> Damn. Um, all right. So, because so, we're actually almost out of time here, why don't you let everybody know where they can read you, find your words, etc.? You can find me on Twitter at airball, E Y R E ball. Um, haven't been super active in the last few months during some, you know, health issues, but uh, I'm slowly coming back to it. And also, the other place I'm slowly coming back to it is Pro Insight. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at underscore pro insight and prospectiveinsight.com. Um, I would say I, I work for them, but I, I definitely should be doing more work for them. But, um, you know, FIBA season is right around the corner. Uh, I trust that I'll be good to go uh, by them but to cover tournaments for them. Uh, but now is draft season, so uh, a ton of content and a ton of thoughts on, on draft prospects like Jing uh, are going to be coming up both on Pro Insight and on Twitter. So uh, be sure to follow us uh, at, at those places. All right, so back on the uh, Talking Talent Show uh, with me from Italy is Jason Filippi. Uh, Jason, how are you doing? Uh, all is well. All is well. Happy to be here again. Happy that we have managed to find a appropriate, you know, uh, window of time because both of us, you know, have been quite busy the past couple of days, apparently. Yeah, and uh, heading out, heading out of town, heading to Belgrade myself, um, and it's going to be weird to be on site again. But good, all good, all good. Um, so the idea of this uh, this uh, show this week is to kind of look at a couple of the big big names. And, um, and this was one of the ideas that I had uh, uh, in general was to, you know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about, you know, like um, uh, we talked about uh, Victor Memignana, uh, Osman Dieng, and, you know, and, you know, these are big names. And I wanted to then, you know, later on in the season, basically when their season's done, more or less, just kind of come back and 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 uh and uh and let you guys know sort of what development you know how they you know how they um how they you know you know how their game sort of uh improved developed over the course of the season so uh and and you're talking uh, about uh Nikola Jovic um and we've seen him in a couple of different uh a uh, couple of different uh, scenes 
Um, obviously, mainly playing uh, with Mega's uh, uh, ABBA League team. Um, and uh, so it looks like uh, about 12 points, uh, shooting 35, is that right? Yeah, 35%. Uh, three pointers, four, uh, a little more than four rebounds, three and a half assists. Um, he also came and played for Mega at the uh, ABA under 19. Uh, Final Four and helped uh, Mega win the title there, um, and uh, and we also saw him play twice uh, uh, with the with the senior national team, uh, and that was actually the window win um, uh, of the Adidas Next Generation tournament. Uh, uh, yeah, in Belgrade, and uh, the first game didn't really do much, but the second game against Lalaki had thirteen point seven rebounds, three assists. Uh, so so those were the those were the the. Um, the different scenes that we saw him this year uh, did have a 25 point game against split a couple of 22 pointers um, and uh, looks like a high of seven assists in a game. Um, so why don't you, why don't you let us know what your thoughts are on, um, you know, obviously, you know, everybody was thinking highly about him. Uh, what do you think of what uh, uh, Nikola Jovic was able to do over the course of the season? Well, like I said, he had a very, very uh, up and down season, to say the least. And, um, you know, on one hand, I would label season a disappointment. Uh, he went into the season being considered probably um, arguably the top international prospect uh, you know, for the 2022 uh, NBA draft. Um, and, no, in the end, he still probably is the top, you know, one, uh, uh, actually, but obviously the road, the, the road the pathway he had this season was not, it was quite rocky. Um, you know, on the positive side, I do think that he has improved over the season, considering especially that he really struggled early in the season, early in the season, you know, Nikola Jovic, uh, Nikola Jovic struggled, uh, mightily on the defense, man, you know, that's obviously still, you know, his weak spot, but it was obviously a huge problem initially, even more than it is today. Uh, he just wasn't, you know, used to the, uh, playing with that intensity because obviously, you know, at the junior level, he could kind of just coast on defense, save his energy on, on, on for the offense. And, you know, certainly, you know, guarding, you know, pro players, you know, American wings specifically, you know, is something that he was not necessarily used to. Um, and like I said, he struggled, you know, to guard pretty much anyone. You know, there's people saying, you know, they're just going to be more of a three, some more of a four, some more of a stretch big, uh, at, you know, ultimately, at least at the NBA level. Um, but the point, the truth of the matter that uh, Nikolaj struggled to guard pretty much any position, whether it was, you know, a bigger, stronger player at the home post or a uh, smaller, quicker wing outside. And even offensively, you know, like I said, I, uh, I'm, I was very high and I still am quite high on Nikola Jovic. I love his you know, versatile uh, offensive game. I think he has, you know, uh, great ball skills. But like I said, he even struggled on offense early in the season. Um, he perhaps shot it better overall, at least, you know, over the course of the season than I thought. But the one thing I loved about him at the junior level was his ability, you know, to act as a primary ball handler and to create both for himself and others. And I didn't see as much of that at the pro level. I'm sure it was also in part because that was not what they necessarily wanted him to do. Because, you know, like I said, different context, they had your know, primary ball handler uh, already. But um, it's also probably true that, you know, Nikola Jovic struggled much more at the pro level than at the level to create uh, off the dribble. Um, 
so that was the case. Anyways, like I said, you know, saw him early in the season and um, very disappointed with my first live performance. You know, he, like I said, he struggled on defense. He got into foul trouble um, and really had very, very little impact. But, you know, later games in the season, I did see some, you know, improvements. Um, like I said, still has a long way to go on defense, but he does seems to be trying hard, if anything. And, you know, offensively, like I said, his confidence grew. He, you know, shot it much better from three-point range, you know, over the last, you know, couple months of the season. And just, you know, became more and more assertive. You know, he, you know, when I first, you know, early on in the season, he seemed to have lost that confidence, that uh, uh, moxie, that cockiness that, you know, he had shown at the junior level. Uh, but he seemed to have regained that towards the end of the season. Um, and anyways, you know, like I said, uh, the question, you know, about Jovic is that really he can do a bit of everything. You know, he's very, very skilled, very talented, very versatile. My question specifically in an NBA perspective, but even for a EuroLeague for that matter, is will all of this translate? And if you asked me a year ago, I would have said absolutely yes. Now I'm like, well, maybe not, or maybe not as much, or maybe only certain things will translate. The thing that's special about Nikola Jovic for me is the fact that being so versatile with his you know, great ball skills that he's in fact uh, able to you know, act as a secondary ball handler, if not a primary ball handler. And if you make him play off the ball, which is what happened a lot when he was struggling early in the season. And to be honest with you, even with the Serbian national team at the U19, World U19 summer, where he, he still played well and was in fact on the name to the all-tournament team, though, he was playing mostly as simply as the scorer, as the offensive terminal. He was not, you know, uh, playing with the ball in his hand much. Um, and my point is that if you if, he, if, if he's just, you know, an offensive terminal, uh, he's not special anymore. He's special for me if he can and is able to keep, you know, uh, acting as a uh, you know, secondary ball handler, if not a primary one, and acting as a facilitator on the offensive end, even at the pro level. So that's the big question mark. You know, as of today, I still believe that Nikola Jovic will be able to fulfill this, you know, uh, potential that I described. But sure, it's not a sure thing. So if you, I mean, if you think that, um, that his main effectiveness or the main way he can use his effectiveness and take advantage of that is with the ball. Uh, I mean, sounds like your, your team that's drafting him has to have, has to go into the, the season saying, you know, when he's on the court, he's going to have to have, have the ball in his hand as well. Right. Yeah. And you know, at the pro level, especially at the NBA level, I don't know if that's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be. I mean, isn't, that, isn't that kind of the same thing with happened with Avdia a little bit at the beginning, right? Perhaps that's a good comparison. You know, one of the players that, you know, I've compared, you know, I've compared, you know, uh, Jokic, to, Jokic to multiple players and uh, then Indija is one of them. Um, and, you know, Abdija, he was special because, you know, he could uh, act as a facilitator, as a secondary ball handler. Um, and in the NBA, uh, thus far, at least initially, you know, he was not strictly off the ball, more of just, you know, a uh, small ball stretch uh, for man and so on. Um, but, you know, once he got, you know, you know, a more bigger role on offense, you know, he started to do much better. Um, you know, the probably the best comparison though, and I recently made this comparison, uh, I think the most likely scenario, the best case scenario for Jokic, Jokic, if he doesn't, you know, 
you know, have the opportunity to become, you know, a, at least a second or ball handler, but, you know, just have a uh, play mostly off the ball. Um, I think that his career path could resemble that of Daniel Gallinari. I say this because, uh, you know, I've obviously, <laughs> just like uh, Jovic, I followed uh, Danilo from a very young age, and I see a lot of similarities to them at a young age. Obviously, we don't know what will happen to Jovic after, but between the ages of 15 and 18, Jovic's career is a photo carbon copy of Danilo's. Uh, they were both, you know, uh, you know, guards going up. They both had uh, late growth spurts and you know grew a lot and you know became, you know, like I said, out of necessity more of you know big forwards. But they maintained, you know, those uh, guard instincts, those ball handling skills, um, and all. But uh, you know, Danilo Gallinari, you know, like I said, neither, neither was a great shooter. Neither was a knockdown shooter. You know. They were 17, 18, but uh, in the NBA, Danilo has become that. He's become, like I said, he's become, you know, he's become more of just, you know, a standard, you know, typical, stereotypical, you know, uh, spread format at the uh, at the NBA level. Uh, and, but he's improved his shot a lot. So I think that, you know, obviously, Jovic has to hope that he'll be in a situation where he can take advantage of his, you know, ball-handling skills. But if he finds himself in a situation where he's going to be, you know, relegated to playing mostly just, you know, off the balls, you know, a, a secondary offensive option, I think that if you should try to emulate and follow the footsteps of Danilo Gallinari, because like I said, I see a lot of similarities. I mean, that's, you know, in a very, very good way uh, for both of these uh, for both of these guys. So that's kind of the career path that uh, I would envision, you know, best case scenario if, you know, he's unable to, you know, play more, you know, as a, uh, as a big, as a big ball handler uh, to kind of become more like Daniel Gallinari uh, at the NBA level. And your biggest fear about him then? Biggest fear? I mean, uh, biggest fears. Uh, I mean, well, one that, like I said, he'll be uh, relegated to playing off the ball, even though I see him out there, you know, um, just changing his game a bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, on the defensive end, like I said, uh, he may be he may be able to play multiple positions on offense, um, but he struggles to defend any type of player. You know, despite you know the fact that he seems to be trying and that he's certainly doing better than he did earlier in season, he lacks. The, he has you know he's, he has great size. He's you know arguably you know at least six nine without shoes. I'd say close to six ten with shoes, um, but you know he's not very strong yet, and you know he's just lacks physicality. You know he struggles to guard. You know uh, players in the low post, uh, so he needs to get stronger to play the play at the four spot, which probably be in his default position and at the moment he cannot defend at a high level you know uh high level win players uh whether they're slappers or shooters is beside the point uh he really you know like i said he plays very stiff and direct uh needs to learn to bend his knees needs more once again very similar to daniel uh at, at the same age by the way when he, when he was more of you know a natural small forward you know, early in his career. Um, so like I said, I think that, you know, that will be a problem. How do you, at what position do you keep him on the court? Because the question is, who does uh, Nicola guard, uh, especially, especially at the NBA level? That will be the, the big question. That is ultimately what will dictate when, where, how much he plays. And it, it probably wouldn't happen, but do you think, do you think it would help? And, and if so, uh... How much do you think it would help if if he were drafted 
and then was allowed to stay or or they said you know go back to europe and and they find him uh, a spot to maybe play against a yearly team or whatnot to kind of just improve the level i mean he is still playing he's still playing against a couple of yearly teams euro cup teams and stuff like that since he's playing abba but do you think that that another year in europe would help him or do you think it would be it would be beneficial for him to uh get let's say slapped in the face or whatever you want to say uh you know fa- face that face that difficult challenge of of the you know uh, uptick in in uh in athleticism strength and everything else uh firsthand and then and uh and and learn from that take his lumps right away there yeah uh, that's a tough question you know uh i think ultimately the best scenario for me like i said if he if you know he's not deemed ready uh he should stay in europe absolutely but uh he needs to have a change of scenery um you know if if he's just going to stay at mega you know sure he'll get the big minutes and mega's you know doing a great job you know developing players i'm sure do their best to provide him with the best coaching and training but that's not enough he's going to need to get out of his comfort zone he'll need a change of scenery um so obviously the best case scenario for him in my opinion would be to go you know stay in europe but play at a much much higher level and it's obviously uh you know it's not a given that you know any team just off the bat will say okay come play with us for one year and of course you know the Mr. Roznatovic, I'm sure, will be able to work his magic and you know, find an agreement you know, with some team where he has a lot of pull, uh, where you know, someone will accommodate this. But like I said, it's, you know, not, it's not automatic. Um, so like I said, if I had to rank the possibilities, number one, stay in Europe, but play with the yearly competition or close to that. Uh, two, go to the NBA, go to the United States, even if you have to stay in the G League for part of the season. And like you said, you know, take your lumps and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, take a step back for a moment and, uh, you know, try to, you know, like I said, you know, be, stay humble and all. And the last case here would be to stay at Mega. So what I'm saying is that, you know, he, he needs, this has to be his last year at Mega, whether, you know, it's, he goes directly to the NBA or elsewhere. Uh, that's beside the point, you know, he won't be able to reach his potential if he stays in the league. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, any, any other notes, any other things, uh, you know, um, you know, something that, uh, maybe you're looking forward to seeing when that happens at, at a, um, uh, at a draft camp or whatever, um, any, any, you know, uh, observations or anything else uh, you have on him? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, obviously I'm very intrigued because, you know, it's, uh, in the past, you know, a lot of a lot of European players, you know, have attended the uh, Chicago pre-draft combine, and some have done well and raised their stock. Others have struggled and you know, seen their stock drop. So it could go either way. Um, I always like this concept. I mean, you know, uh, you know, a lot of agents, you know, think it's risky, but I'm happy that you know uh, Nicola and his, uh, you know. Representatives, you know, decided to go this way because he'll he'll be like I said. First of all, just the fact that he's gonna you know show up and go through the gauntlet of the uh, combine shows you know some the fact that he's not scared that he's confident uh, in himself and that already you know puts him in a positive light. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm like I said, I'm curious to see though you know how he will do. You know, I won't be able to attend you know the combine uh, this year, but. Uh, you know, I'm very eager, you know, to, uh, you know, hear reports from, you know, colleagues um, about how, about how he's doing, because, uh, like I said, this will 
this will give you a better idea of, you know, where he stands, you know, like, you, like I said, it'll, it'll answer some of those questions to some degree. Like I said, will he be able to create, you know, against smart defenders? Will he be able to defend, you know, quicker players himself? Um, so definitely, you know, Chicago, the Chicago pre-draft will affect, you know, his status. Um, you know, I would label him as a first round lock, but by no means a lottery uh, pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken a late lottery, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, you know, he uh, stayed in the draft and slipped into the twenties either. And ultimately, ultimately, I think the combine will, you know, have an effect in that aspect. You know, I don't think it's going to make or break him necessarily, but a great performance may get him in the top 15. Struggles, you know, on defense and all may see his, you know, uh, draft stock top down to the twenties perhaps. Uh, and in that case, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, uh, his agents will just, you know, say, hey, just pull him out, not even take a chance. Uh, you know, so, because I hear that, I understand they may want to give some form of guarantee, by the way. Uh, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting as always. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a guy that was, you know, highly regarded. Um, and I mean, that's always the the challenge, you know, it's like you have to deal with the expectations and, uh, also at the same time, go from junior to senior level basketball, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a thing that, uh, that all players, you know, have to go through, um, and, and not all players are, are created equal and have that, have that ability. And so now it's a challenge for him to, to take that step. Um, all right, then, uh, Jason, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, et cetera, and we'll get on our way. Okay. Like I said, I'm, uh, writing for uh, pro insight, uh, ProprospectiveInsight.com as well as uh, BasketballNews.com, and uh, you can always go read my tweets. You know, in various events that you know, I'm either you know scouting live or you know following uh, via stream. Uh, I will be you know for sure commenting also you know next uh, later this week on uh, the happenings at the uh, Adidas Next Generation tournament in Belgrade. Uh, you know, I won't be there, you know, physically, um, you know, I've seen all these players this year because I attended the other, uh, the other earlier tournaments. Uh, so it'll be interesting, like I said, to, you know, see, you know, all these guys. So stay tuned for some more, some more tweets, uh, and, you know, articles, uh, on the, the NGT and, uh, many, many other things. All right. Fantastic. Jason, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you then, uh, latest in the two weeks. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, so uh, the uh, Talking Talent podcast again this week. Uh, we are looking uh, this week at a couple of the big names, um, and this week we have Ivan Mitrovic. Ivan, welcome back. Hey, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're going to have you uh, offer your uh, sort of opinion this uh, this week, sort of an update on um, really. Obviously, the the biggest name out there right now, as far as youth basketball goes, uh, uh, Victor Vambayana. Um, It's a guy, you know, he's a guy who, you know, we we all had our anticipation, our uh, our expectations going into the season, um, and you know, probably, you know, definitely for the first couple of months, we were starting to wonder, you know, about his uh, about his ability to stay on the court with a couple of injuries. Um, uh, broke a finger in in, uh, in early November that kept him out almost a month, um, and then and then also had a shoulder injury that kept him out for two months from mid December to mid February, and then kind of after that started to uh, <laughs> started to take off, um, and uh, you know 
I guess, I guess let's start with, with just your, your, your thoughts of, you know, we all had our, had our expectations going into the season, like we said, especially after what he did under 19 world cup. Um, and then also, especially what he did against Chet Holman Holmgren. Um, so your thoughts about his, uh, uh, about what he was able to do uh, this season. Well, I also had, had high expectations and, but I didn't know honestly if, if those will fulfill since, he he's actually coming from Nanterre where he played French league and, and had some Euro Cup minutes, but then he, he transferred and went to higher level French French League team and, and team that plays higher league uh, higher European competition, which is Euroleague. Uh so I didn't know if, if he'll get enough if enough minutes. And uh, and his and his playing time increased during the season. As you said, he had injury troubles. Uh, which kept him out for almost uh, around three months, but and again and and after after those injuries, I don't know what to expect honestly, since he's only a 18, 18 years old kid whose body is not that well developed, who uh, is skinny, tall. So he his I didn't know if his body is strong enough to get get back uh, that ready, but. He he proved his. I mean, he came back and and he had his best yearly game in in, in uh, last round against Milan. He scored eighteen points. Uh, he had some good games in in French league. So uh, it seems like he's improving. He he feels even more comfortable on the court. Uh, he found he found his role. He he mostly plays outside. He even though he 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 is that tall, but he he plays. He plays outside, not not because he he cannot play inside. I think just it, it's currently a better fit for him. Okay, he he, he has some troubles when plays when plays inside because of lack of strength, as we said. But I think he 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 just shows that he is really able to play outside. He can dribble the ball, he can shoot the ball, he can uh, do some passing. So, I mean, as as everybody I think already knows, he's probably. The best European prospect, and I think he'll be in, in top three in the in the NBA draft 2023. I mean, his his mobility, his uh, his talent level on offensive end, his versatility on defensive end. He can he can block shots. He can uh, he can uh, switch. He can he can move on the perimeter, and 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 he did all of that. He did on Euroleague level or or on senior level. So. I think I think uh, he he is currently the best European prospect, and there's no doubt about it. What what do you think? Um, what do you think he did surprise you the most this season? Well, one thing that that for me stood out. I mean, he he to me, I I didn't see him live, but about watching games, he seemed so. Uh, fluid on the court, even though he's playing with guys who are even like 10, 12 years older than him, uh, guys who played in NBA, guys who 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 have some Euro League experience. He he seems so fluid on the court, and everything seemed so comfortable and natural for him. Uh, that uh, at, at some point I I didn't have a feeling that he is playing with guys who are older than him. It it looked like he is playing against against guys of his age. So he really seemed. Everything he did, he, it looks natural. He it, it looks fluid for him, and it, it looked like we already we already saw that like 
I mean, as I've said, every everything looked like he he's playing against guys who are who are his age or maybe maybe a couple of years older, but he, it didn't seem like he's playing against ex NBA players or or your league legends as he did. Where's we're still going to see him in uh, another year at least. He can't go to the draft until uh, twenty three. Um, and uh, and I was you know I, I wrote a longer piece about him for uh, for for FIBA and uh, and one of the things that I, I did in that as I talked to uh, Kimani uh, uh, Sue, uh his uh, his mate there at um, uh, at Asvel and who who's actually been you know, around him since they were nine years old. Um, they're actually like two days apart. Uh, but one of the things he said is that um, just wait for him to um, just wait for him to get to a point physically where he's yeah. able to play inside. Um, you know, there's, it's unclear what he's going to do. Obviously there's the, there's the French playoffs uh, going on now. Um, and then, you know, there's the, the off season. And I can't imagine that he doesn't get selected into the Eurobasket team, um, if nothing else, just to get him used to uh, being around those guys. And I mean, even if he plays seven, eight minutes, he can block three shots in in that in that time. And um, so it's it's unclear how much, let's say, individual workouts you know he's going to be able to have this season, or whatever, to work on work on certain things, but. Knowing that he will, um, in January of 23, turn 19 with the physical maturity that will come. And I'm sure now he, you know, once the season's over, you know, the French national team's not going to be, you know, in training camp right away. He'll probably have a little bit of time where he can maybe, you know, relax and, 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 but I imagine he might try to work out a little bit, um, what do you think he's going to be able to do with the added mass? Um, and uh, that that you would just imagine that will come automatically from physically maturing, um, and then playing really the second half of the season, second two thirds, uh, the, the second two thirds of the season, um, as a as a physically that much physically stronger uh, next season. Well, yeah, I mean it's obvious that this body is his currently. I wouldn't say it's it's the biggest problem, but just he is a 18 years old kid, and and, and he needs some time to develop his body naturally and also to work on it but i mean w- w- i think he he will he will play more easier inside the paint once he once he uh gets some more mass and, and gets stronger uh not nothing scoring wise i mean he can he can score over over guys easily even even now when he when he lacks of of of, of body mass he can score uh, over guys without any troubles it, it's up, up to his size but i think he once he gets more mass, I think he'll be able to, to to make a position for himself down low to to maintain that position. Uh, I think he'll feel feel more comfortable to to post up guys to have better feeling with with his body and body control and just to be able to to stay closer to the basket and to make his his points easier than he does. Usually, what now when he when he is scoring around the, around the image, it's, it's uh, from passes or or after pick and rolls, he can roll. Uh, he can roll to the to the rim, or uh, or uh, from off ball movements when when he goes for cuts or uh, alley oops. But I think just he'll be able to to create position easier, and then to after that to to score easier in the paint. And also he'll he'll be 
he'll be more more able to defend. I mean, when his body gets gets stronger, I think he'll be it it will be easier for him to defend on the low post. Even though, as I've said, he his shot 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 blocking and and rim protecting ability, it's it's enormous already. I mean, I think he he averages around two blocks per game, both in in French French league and um, and Euro league. So uh, when it comes to rim protection, he he'll have same same elite movements, but I think it just it will be easier for him to to defend defend guys and just don't let them shoot when when he when his body gets gets uh, more developed and, and gets gets better physically. Um, because because that is such a big thing, uh, the physical development that he faces. Um, any concerns on that? Obviously, there's the size and and just with limbs that long, especially the the legs. When you have a small guy, you know, uh, might run into him, or you know, it's that much easier to step on that many more feet just uh, hanging around, um, yeah. you know, on the ground. Um, is there any? Because one of the things that you know, and you mentioned it, is that you know can actually play kind of like a guard, you know, because he has that he does have some ball handling ability. Um, is there, is there any sort of, uh, is there any sort of worry at all from a physical standpoint that when he does get bigger, that some of that, uh, fluidity, some of that, um, uh, some of that ability to play outside in, um, uh, might, might go away. I mean, it's, it's hard to know, um, uh, exactly because we don't know what the finished, you know, product will look like physically, you know, mature wise, but what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I I don't think there'll be there'll be problems. I mean, he, I, as you said, we don't know how he will look like in, in I don't know five years, but he doesn't seem to me like a guy who will uh, gain I don't know 25, 30 kilos of mass and just become way stronger or or way more bulk than than he is now. I think he'll just uh, reach his physical potential at some point. He'll get more more mass, more kilos for sure, but. I think his 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 physical physical profile will, will stay the same. I think he doesn't doesn't have that that uh, uh, wide body kind of, so he cannot really fulfill that and and, and cannot really be uh, I don't want to say, but fat guy. He will I think he'll always stay skinny and lanky, and he'll just uh, get more mass and and become stronger. But I I don't think he'll. He will lose his fluidity and his mobility if he if he gets I don't know like ten kilos more, but and I think I didn't mention that, but I think that uh, when when his body gets better, his 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 injuries will 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 not occur. I mean, not anymore, but he'll he'll but he'll his body will be more more prepared, and and I think he'll have less injuries once once it, it becomes a case. Yeah, it, it seems like that. Um, give us, give us something that you think um, that he still needs to, you know, really work on. Um, that that uh, that maybe you haven't sort of put in there, and you know, um, knowing that he's not going to be playing the European game in two seasons, that he'll be in the NBA, and knowing what you know the NBA game um, as it's as it is and as it's changing, whatnot. Uh, what you think that he needs to to do, um, and then maybe this, and 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 that's something that maybe he might be working on, you know, over the course of next season as well. Well, I mean, he he's so all all around and so versatile that it is a it is tough to say. Uh, 
beside body obviously we, which we mentioned in, in previous minutes I think he needs some 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 work in shot selection maybe because he, he he had some troubles with it and just making his shot more consistent I mean he is already shooting around 25 30 percent behind the three-point line which is more than more than fair for a, for a guy of his size and age but just making it more consistent for for uh, higher higher level uh i think that that will help him and just tr- i think he needs to to try to make all those things that he does even more quicker i think he needs to be more aggressive when when he's when he's driving with the ball more or quicker when he has the ball in his hands i mean I, i'm talking about him tra- translating to to nba level i think those are he needs just to to make all the things he does just to, to be more aggressive more quicker and then his shot to be a bit more consistent, which I think will happen maybe even next year when, when he, if if he stays healthy for a, for a longer longer period, I think he just need to some consistency in 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 working on that and and then playing consistently, and I think that will that will come with it. I would say, especially in the Euro League, you know, you yeah. know there, there's the athleticism in the French league, but you know, especially at the higher level, knowing that he's gonna, you know, those are the guys he's gonna have to get around over past and whatnot that it seems like that's where you know we we, we kind of need to see him take another step he's already been fantastic but you know yeah. on a night in night out basis um maybe maybe um what do you what you let's say let's say he 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 makes the team for Eurobasket um you know this is a French team that's going to you know it's going to uh Germany um the finals obviously are in Germany and, and is looking for the title. Um, what what do you what would you kind of expect or what do you think? Uh, what do you think would be something that he is able to do there? You know, for 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 you know people who don't have who aren't going to be able to watch the French playoffs, and so the next time we see him will be the uh, you know maybe Eurobasket. What are your thoughts about him? Um, about maybe uh, what you can what you would expect from him from Eurobasket. Well, I think it, it depends a lot of, of uh, who plays for for French national team. Like, I mean, their team is so loaded with NBA players, with high-level guys. So if all of them come, uh, his role will probably be very limited. I think if if he makes the cut, he'll, he'll probably won't play more than, I don't know, five, six, seven, ten minutes, depends on the score and everything. But if they don't, if for some reason, I don't know, injuries or whatever, uh, I think he can he can do the same things as 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 he does in 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 his team, maybe with with less minutes and maybe with more uh, more, more needs to to be to be better even better defender, not only blocking shots but doing doing everything everything else, uh, switching uh, defending on the low post and and everything he can do. But I think he'll just need to pay more attention to the to that if if he makes it to the senior national team. And then I guess since he's a kid, basically still, I don't think he'll 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 have that many uh, many shots in his hands, and and probably would be more of a, a bench role player. But anyway, if if he makes the team, that will be a huge experience for him just to be there, as you've said, to to be part of the team, to 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 practice with those guys, and and to produce as much as 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 he can do. I mean. 
if if he gets if he gets more minutes, I mean his 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 talent and everything will will, will show up. That there's no doubt about it. As I've said before, he he looks so natural and and, and plays with with such uh, good energy when he plays on with senior guys. So I don't see any 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 reason to make it different if he plays for the senior national team. But I think if if their NBA guys come and 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 all all the players that that can be there. I don't think he'll have a a major major role on team on that team uh, this summer. Last question: What do you? How do you foresee his NBA future? I mean, do you, everybody says unicorn and all this other stuff, but uh, you know, let's say there's somebody critical out there. Oh, he'll you know maybe play you know three four years, and then because that body he'll get injured, and and then everybody will be like. You know, ah, you should have taken, uh, you know, whoever would be second next year. You know, I mean, is there anything? Let's say he stays healthy, and let's just say does a, you know, a, a sort of a, mm, I want, I don't even want to say significant, but just a, a gradual improvement next season. You know, by the time the draft comes, um, any reason you don't take him number one? Or do you not, or 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 do you not see him as the number one? Uh, I mean, I I don't know how you are draft wise as far as you know who's going to be on top of the twenty three, but uh, you know, is is there anything that you say you know, nah, nah, I would try something else, or or is he just too special of a guy that you you wouldn't want to be the team that passes on him? Well, I think it, it depends of of the the who gets the number one pick and what their needs, but. If if he does the improvement that that you said and he plays a significant role, I think I think he can go number one. I mean, uh, and that doesn't even matter. I mean, Luka Doncic was not number one, and and we we see what he does. I mean, that that that's that's not that big deal. But I think just because Luka Doncic was not the number one pick a couple of years ago, I think, and he's performing well, and he he he's coming from Euroleague with a significant role even better than this one uh, but he he looked less like a prospect back then um, than 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 when Banyama looks now so I think if he keeps improving and if he stays healthy first of all if he doesn't have any major health issues injuries and anything I think he 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 can be a, a, a number one pick and then it's up to him. I mean, it's up to him, and and of course the 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 organization that takes him. But I think he can he can have a a, a long career in the NBA, especially if he goes next year. He'll he'll go as a nineteen years old guy, so he can basically stay if if he stays healthy, obviously, and everything clicks. He can stay there for like fifteen years easily. So yeah, 15, 15 years puts him at 34. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'll still be young to come back to Europe to play a couple of seasons. So if, if he wants to, but anyway, I think he, he can, he can find his, his role over there. Maybe not, not from the beginning, but just like he did in Europe, uh, significantly improving and, and going step by step, uh, in, in, in his development and his, his role. And I think he, he can he can make he can make it over there just just of course he needs to stay healthy and gets the good environment and everything but talent level and and ability to play and ability to produce on offensive end to 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 defend on 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 the other side of the floor and i think i think he he can translate it to to nba level just once he gets more major his body develops and, and he just 
get some more experience playing with uh, with older guys. It's it's funny that you say um, that you said uh, you know he's a bigger prospect than Doncic because because Doncic Doncic was already like he was already player. he was already yeah exactly he was already like a, a major player on major winning teams he won the Euroleague the summer before that he won uh, Eurobasket um, top five you know all tournament team selection. Um, had played, you know, two, you know, the grueling grind, you know, full season Euroleague playoffs, you know, uh, Euroleague playoffs, uh, ACB playoffs, um, you know, high expectations. Um, and, and, uh, um, you know, when Manana hasn't done any of that, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, yeah, you know, um, but, you know, like if you think talent and, you know, future, you're like, yeah, okay, when Manana is a guy you can dream on more than, almost as, 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 as crazy as it sounds like a f- quote finished product that Doncic was, I mean, he, he was much more of a finished product than, yeah. uh, than, than when Banyan is, will be at next point, you know, uh, when he's, when he's going to be in the draft. So I just thought, thought it was, it was pretty interesting. I never really heard that sort of, you know, everybody hears, you know, everybody's like comparing, you know, everybody says, ah, oh, is he going to be a Doncic? And, you know, and now, you know, you know, but uh, interesting comparison. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts about uh, about Wembenyana? Um, maybe, maybe what you. I don't know, any any final thoughts? Well, it, it's easy with him. I think he's the best the best European prospect at the moment. Uh, somebody who has a really really high ceiling, and uh, beside everything everything that I mean everything we said, he's just fun to watch. I mean, he's the guy that that can do all the highlight things on the court and also to be effective but also what i liked when i when i watch him i mean he he seems like he's having fun he always mm-hmm. plays with with uh with a good level of energy he's not complaining much uh always has some smile on his face so he he's really enjoying the time he he has and Obviously, he is for me. He's if if not number one pick in in 2023, then for sure top three. Or if if there are some health issues, top five. But prospect wise, he is the best in Europe, and I think his ceiling is is very high. We just we can just sit sit down and and, and watch and enjoy what 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 he'll do in in next five, ten, or how many years he plays. And next season, enjoy. Because yeah. most likely, most likely, I mean, I guess there's a, this scenario. Maybe he gets hurt and misses like like half or three quarters of the year, and then is like, well, you know what? I want to, you know, I want to, you know, you know, says okay, maybe I need to, or or it's at, or it's at like halfway point, and then he's and he, he's injured at the time of the draft, and so there's question mark, and then he says, okay, well, I don't want to go, you know, but most likely this would be his last season last next year and so just enjoy it enjoy the smile like yeah. you mentioned that's one of the great things and and that was one of the things that when Doncic was doing his things at the end is like you know, just enjoy it because we're not going to see it you know we're going to have to be yeah. watching nba games instead of uh, of your league games and in spanish acb and you know french league games so all right uh uh even why don't you let everybody know where they can find you read your stuff etc and then we'll get on our, our way yeah balkan prospects on on twitter and instagram and balkanprospects.com is our website so yeah that's where i'm at 
All right, fantastic. And uh, we will time a recording uh, see you in, in two days in, in Belgrade. Yep. Uh, but, uh, but we'll talk to you then in two weeks. Yeah, sounds good.